This is Marketed Not Live, the show that dives deeper into the ideas, philosophies and strategies of the best marketing minds. Here's your host, Biz Paul. Well, hello and welcome to the month by Marketed Live. It's a monthly Q&A with some wonderful people who have given up their time to share their expertise with us today. So I want you to think about this like BBC's question time, but, you know, without the toxicity or, um, you know, if you don't like question time and you're a bit posh, you could see us as BBC any questions. I'm Biz Paul. I'll be putting the questions to our guests today. They don't have the questions in advance. So all of you, well, very much raw views. So let me introduce our panellists today strategist with over 25 years of marketing experience. He supports business owners to leverage online platforms to explode their business growth. And I know that he uses that word, explode their business growth, because I heard him say that to Andrew Davis uh, at Atomicon in Newcastle. Also this afternoon, we've got Ben Potter, who's an advisor, mentor, and non-exec helping independent agencies win the right clients with a more purposeful approach to business development and marketing. And as well as his work with agencies, he is published on e-consultancy and in the Goods magazine. And he's also featured on numerous podcasts as well. Uh, to top that, as if you could, he's also been acknowledged as one of the UK's most influential business developers in the drums BD100. And our final panelist this afternoon, Teresa Heath-Waring. She's an online business marketing and mindset expert who works with business owners from across the world helping them to build a business and a life that they love. She has an online membership and her innovative dream business growth path enables overwhelmed business owners to balance their lives while building a business that they love. She's an international best-selling author, get her, uh, award-winning speaker and a TEDx speaker as well. And she's the host of Your Dream Business podcast. So welcome to our speakers uh, this afternoon. Uh, hopefully we will see that uh, uh, Ben has kind of gone and hopefully we'll come back. This is, of course, all recorded live for you. So as I say, no pre-planned uh, questions on this, no preparation at all. In fact, people always say to me, um, how can we prepare? And I'm like, well, you can't. You're just going to answer the questions. All right. So we'll crack on with the questions. Our first question, which I'm putting to the panel today, is should a business stay out of politics and social justice issues. Teresa, I'm coming to you first on that. Oh, let's start <laughs> with the easy ones, why don't we? <laughs> if you could have heard me while you said that, I was like, oh, you know, that's a that's a good one to start with. Oh, that's hard. And it, it is and it isn't. I think it depends on your business first off. Like for me, I am my business. And I can be very authentic and very honest and very upfront about what I like and what I don't like. And if people like that, they will want to hang around with me. And if they don't, that's absolutely fine. They don't have to. Um, so for people like me, I think I think they can easier than maybe a company. Um, I think... I think the only thing I would say is I've seen other businesses comment on political issues and social issues, and they're very damning in their conversations. So they're so strong with their opinion. They're basically saying, if you believe something different, you're wrong. And I don't think that's such a good idea. Well, full stop in life, let alone for a business owner. So I think, I think you can do it. I just think I would be a bit careful as to how you do do it. And... Um, 
uh, where you've got um, people who really do believe that, though, yeah. are you, are you, do you feel that they should be more balanced or are you saying that maybe they should just not bother? I feel like they should try and appreciate that... Well, it's interesting, right? So I was going to say that they should appreciate that other people might not have their and share their opinion. And I know, obviously, there's a big issue going on in the States at the moment. And I know some of my audience don't necessarily agree with my opinion, um, which I've shared posts about, you know, my shock and horror in terms of what's happening in the States. And I know some people that follow me don't agree. Um, and part of me is a bit like, do you know what, that's okay. You know, you don't have to agree. And actually, if you do if you don't agree with me, then you're probably not my audience. But I just, I still think there's a way of doing it without, like I said, coming straight out and basically saying you're wrong, you know, if you think this. And I, I don't think that's helpful. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's helpful. I think, you know, to say that this is my opinion and my thoughts and what I believe is fine. I think saying to everyone else, you're wrong for what they believe, even if I disagree, is not fine. So it's more about being accepting of different views and opinions. Yeah, it is. And even when it might be very hard to even think about how, um, you know, people can have that opinion, because you would think, you know, especially with an issue like what's happening regarding abortions in the States, you know, you might think, well, how could anybody else think any other way? Um you just don't know you know there was a lot and I know you and I had conversations about Ukraine and what happened and there were some very strong opinions around, around that in terms of whether you should and shouldn't post and some very strong opinions about how not to and and that you shouldn't but then my experience with war and life through through my husband gave us a what's the word you know it, that that had an impact on how I feel and how I dealt with it which for me I didn't appreciate being told that you know if I post there's something wrong with me when he's been in lots of war zones when no one even knows about the wars going on and there are many war zones going on in the world um so that I had trouble with like I said it, you know I'm absolutely fine for people to say this is what I want to do this is how I believe it this is my thought but to then say to me, you're wrong, without understanding what experience I have on the situations, I think is really tricky. Gus, uh, how about you? Uh, it's it's um, it's is it easy for businesses to to stay out of it, or should they dive straight in? Uh, I think it's a I think it's a mix of uh, you know rather than diving straight in, I think it's more of a you know a measured response and just kind of following on from what Teresa said. I I think that as business owners and as people generally who have a following, we have to. Uh, it's all about aligned values and it's all about, you know, drawing the right audience. The reason we spend all day posting on social media and growing a community and growing an audience is to, to curate the perfect audience. And yes, there's, you know, you don't want to go too far into echo chambers and things like that. But I think by posting about something that you're passionate about or something that you're uh, thinking about or something that your audience may resonate with is I think you're right to share that information so that your audience understand the kind of person you are and the kind of you know where you know essentially your stance on on situations so not necessarily dive straight in but I certainly think that there should be uh, an open dialogue and what if you um, feel like you really don't 
want to rock the boat. Do, do you think people should avoid the the conversation or do you think that there's a moral obligation for, for businesses to take a stance or, 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 or does that depend on something? You know, I, I think that if you're directly involved in, in the situation, then, yeah, I think there would be a kind of a moral obligation, particularly from an authoritative kind of point of view. But, uh, you know, I don't, whether you do or you don't, I think that, quite frankly, for most business owners, it's it's entirely up to you. But I don't think anybody should be berated or talked down to for not sharing their opinion or kind of not getting involved, etc. So it's... Um, I think it's one. Yeah, you know, it's very careful to play, but I, I think that it, it's all about what your audience think and what your audience want. And quite frankly, you know, most of social media is two-way conversation, so you'll see what your audience are posting and what they're talking about and what their opinions are, etc. And it's, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of not necessarily leading from the front, but kind of getting involved in those conversations to show, you know, your own opinion and what you think of the situation. Okay. Um. Thank you. Now, does anyone else in the audience? have a view on this. If you do, all you've got to do is raise your hand and I will invite you to, to speak. Um, and you're more than welcome to um, uh, interject with some of your opinions. That's uh, really easy for us to do. Uh, just like just like question time, I will point at you, maybe, I don't know, maybe misgender you as, uh, <laughs> as sometimes happens on that, that programme. Um, but do that throughout the session. Uh, okay, all right. Um, so I want to move on to our second question. Uh, now, which is a slightly lighter subject, you'll be pleased to know. Is Instagram protecting children by introducing age verification based on a selfie that they have to take? Or are they simply encouraging more harmful use of the platform? This is a story that came about um, last week, really where Adam Mazzera was telling um, the world about a new feature on Instagram where people who uh, need to uh, prove their age can can do so um, when they don't actually have any ID just by taking a selfie. So are they just encouraging more young people to use the platform or is it a good thing that they're introducing such, say, uh, such verifications? And I'll come to you, uh, Gus, first on this one. So my opinion is that without official ID, I think it's a little bit awkward. There's a, there's an advert that I saw yesterday on TV about uh, I think it was by Dove, the company, the you know the toiletry company, um, all about you know uh, selfies and people kind of manipulating their selfies and all that kind of stuff. And I think that uh, quite frankly, I. I it's very rare that I could look at a picture and guess somebody's age kind of thing. And I, I just think that, yeah, it's it's open to interpretation, open to exploitation, open to uh, kind of, uh, you know, underage people using the platform, et cetera, which obviously has its own um, connotations and implications, et cetera. So, I, yeah, I think it's a... I think it's a weird move, basically. There's a, there's a million things that Instagram should fix, and I don't think that that's one of them. I think there's a number of other things that they should fix first, to be honest. What's the one thing you get them to fix? Um, well, the hackers and bots and all that kind of stuff and get rid of all that and get rid of automation. That's a, I mean, that's the very first thing. And this is, I mean, you know, I could, I could be here all day talking about the stuff that Instagram are getting wrong, but I think they're just 
pushing people away from the platform currently. I mean, that's a that's a personal opinion. But yeah, I think the whole automation, the bots, and I understand what they're trying to do, and particularly with this whole ID thing, you know, or, you know, send us a photo, you don't need an official ID, just kind of prove your age and all that kind of stuff. The, yeah, I don't think they're actually making the process any easier. They think they are, but I don't think they are, to be honest. Okay. Um, we've got Ben here. Ben, I can see you as a, as a speaker now. Um, so, uh, as you've been dealing with the technology, hopefully you've got a sense of the, the question. I'm just wondering whether using age verification via taking a selfie, are they encouraging more use of the platform by young people or is age verification maybe on social media a good thing in general? Uh, hello, can you hear me? We can, uh, go ahead. Thank goodness, thank goodness. My first time using this, so apologies for my uh, uh, my tech inability there. Um, Oh goodness, uh, I, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? I I'm I'm not a avid user of either Facebook or Instagram, um, so I can't necessarily speak from personal experience. LinkedIn is my social network of choice for obvious reasons. Um, it, it 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 kind of plays a much bigger role in my own business development marketing efforts than any other any other social platform. But going going back to your question. Um, I, uh, uh, as a father, um, I would want to actively discourage my children from using social media for as many years as possible. I only read a study the other day about the damage it does to the mental health of children, particularly, particularly girls. Um, so, th yeah, that, that, that would be my conclusion, really. I'd want to keep my children away for as long as I possibly can. If it requires some verification to do that, then that's probably all the better. So I, I'm so I'm not actually uh, into like the, the precise detail of exactly what they're trying to do with this, which is why I find it quite quite interesting. But I think I, I get the impression that certainly they're pitching it as a safety feature. They're introducing parental controls that you can control your child's account. So I'm just wondering whether they're sort of on the back foot a bit at, at Meta and going, right, okay, we're coming under some stick with this. How do we put something in place that shows parents that we're, we're trying to keep it safe? Um, but but at the same time, I'm just wondering whether it will actually make any difference whatsoever. Um, Teresa, what's, what's your view on this? Um, I think a bit of what Gus said, really, in the fact of, how are they actually going to police? You know, I have a girl who is nearly 13 and some of the photos that they can take with the filters and all that jazz, like I said, I wouldn't have a faintest idea, you know, how they could possibly police that they're the age they say they are. Um, and then what are they going to do? Like block certain content? How are they going to do that? I think very similar in the sense of, I think, in an ideal world and having a girl who is a almost teenager, I know it's not as easy as this, but in an ideal world, having them not be on the platforms at all to begin with is great. But I know, you know, my daughter particularly likes Instagram um, because she's not allowed on TikTok anymore. Um, so that was the next best thing. But I just, yeah, I, I don't know what they're doing with it. I don't know why they would, like Gus said, why would they invest time and effort into sorting out that as a thing when it really doesn't feel like that's needed. Do you think, like Gus said, that perhaps they're pushing people away from, from the platform? 
because it's come under some stick lately. And I've heard a lot of people talk about things like decreased reach on stories mm. and everything else. And what do you think is going on? Yeah, I think the platform itself has not been as good as it has been in the past. I think the concern, okay, it's not as bad as some spaces where you get really bad content, but I don't know why they would try and encourage them on there. Like, what are they trying to get from it? And then that makes me worried. That makes me then think, well, what do you want to do? Advertise to my child? Or, you know, that doesn't put a good taste in my mouth, I don't think. You know, you haven't seen that... Twitter have come out with, you know, Twitter for toddlers. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they're not, they're not. <laughs> they should do that. Well, I think they're going to steal it now. They've heard me say it. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, no platform is and really should be actively encouraging children to get on them as soon as possible. Hmm. Is my thought. Okay. Excellent. All right. Um, let's move on to our third question. We've got four questions. So our third question um, I'm, I particularly like this question. Ben, I'm going to start with you on this one as it does relate to, uh, I think, agencies, really. Um, okay, so it's been Can Lion, and I'm just wondering whether uh, are events like Can Lion helpful or do they show marketing to be the elitist clique that it is? Oh, good question. Juicy question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um... I think I think you can probably look at it in a number of different ways. I think in, in to some extent, yes, in answer to question, um, because it only tends to be the larger, more established, bigger agencies that are going to be invited to Khan will afford to be able to go to an event like that. Um, so I think Khan almost sits kind of almost in its own in its own space, really. And it's vastly out of reach for the vast majority of us. I know one or two people that have made the trip, but I think 99.9% of the agencies, I would certainly know, it would barely be on their radar uh, with respect to investing the kind of money you would need to get along. Um, and certainly the nature of the work they're doing wouldn't necessarily um, uh, warrant um, trying to go for, a, for an award or something like that. But I think, you know, more broadly, if you're asking um, our events um, overall, elitist exhibitions, conferences, or maybe more specifically agencies putting on their own events, I still think there's a massive place for that, um, as long as they are, uh, certainly from a client's point of view, insightful, educational, and offering some kind of value. Well, it sounds like marketed life to me. But... Ah, yes. <laughs> but, oh, but... Great, great segue. Great segue. Yeah. Plan uh, that it wasn't a leading question, actually. Um, it's inter it's interesting what you say uh, about you know the cost of getting there. Uh, do you know? I have an idea of like what is the kind of cost for say an agency to to be over there and and to invest it. And I mean, I've never been. Can you give us a sense of what an agency would get out of attend attending something like that? Um, again, again, ra rather like my social media experience, I don't have. A huge amount of know-how around that event specifically i mean it's, it's got to be you know if you're going down there from here we're up we're up in the sunny midlands you know you're probably talking a few hundred quid just to get there alone and let's not even go into the uh, environmental impact of many thousands uh, of people traveling to that part of the world for uh, for an event like that that's a whole uh, a whole different issue but you're certainly going to be talking i don't know a couple of grand to get there and stay over a few nights and attend the various events um 
and I'm just speaking from the experience of the sort of small to medium-sized agencies I work for, the, re- the reason why it's not on their radar or my radar is because it's not on theirs. Um, mm. They would tend to be going more to sort of localised events for agencies of their kind of size. Um, I don't know if anybody else either on the panel or, or, or kind of in the audience has got any other experience of, of attending or knows of anybody that's attended. Um, let's put that to you, Teresa. Um, you've been in the work marketing world a long time. I know it's not necessarily your specific <laughs> Very uh, long market. time. Very long time. So I used to work for a big London agency. And when you sort of talked about, you know, the elitist, it, it was a bit like that. It was a bit like, you know, could we, it, we were so... You know, or, and, and certainly I used to also deal with huge London agencies when I went for Land Rover. And it was a little bit like, oh, we know better. We're amazing. We're this, we're that. And you don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> even though I'd got a degree in marketing and I was doing all right. But um, so I, I don't even know this event was full. This is how out of touch I am. But I'm, but I'm guessing that... <laughs> that it might add to what you said rather than be, you know, look, we're trying to learn and we're trying to, you know, um, understand customers more and what's in the market more. It does feel maybe like it's a little bit elitist and a little bit like we're all going to go, you know, in the marketing department, we were known at Landover as the Champagne Charlies because that's pretty much what we did is drink champagne, uh, finish on a Friday, have wine, uh, and then head home. Um, And it did, you know, and I can imagine how this event is going to kind of unfold and what's going to, what it's going to be like for those people at the event. So that's about as much as I can add to that. I hope that was not dull. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say useful, but I'm not even stretching that far. Well, it's, 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 well, it's interesting to see who, um, who has experience of it or who, who sees stuff. Now, I, I see that it's going on. I don't pay a lot of attention to it because it's not really... Uh, related to, to my world but I, I but I find it quite interesting the the noise that exists in marketing land about this event and the awards and who's got the best campaign and let's all slap each other on the back yeah uh, F- Fatboy Slim was DJing there last night or over the weekend or something like that so it's it, it's certainly at that scale but I just wonder whether for the vast majority of people in the marketing world whether it's completely out of reach, untouchable, not even an aspiration because you would never get there. Or, or maybe it is aspirational. What do you think, Gus? Well, that's exactly the word I was going to use, actually. I think the word elitist is often uh, could be interchangeable with uh, aspirational. And <clears throat> particularly as a, a comparatively small business, I kind of I look at these events and one day I'd want to be there, you know, but one day I want to be a millionaire and one day I want to emulate Stephen Bartlett and all this other kind of bit. Well, first of all, I'm going to emulate Biz Paul, obviously. But okay. I think the, I think the, the, the thing is that when you see these events, um, yeah, sure, you want to be there. But to be honest, I just think that I, I look at the, all the agenda and all that kind of stuff and I think, man, that's going to be so boring. Like, why would I want to be there? You know, I go to events like... Uh, atomic on and obviously i'm going to market it live this year and you know and all these kind of events and i look at the agendas i look at the people that are going to be there and actually you get a lot of value from the networking and the lunch times and the breaks and all that kind of stuff whereas i think these kind of events they they hang their hat on big names and then you turn up and you just think well i'm a really small fish in a big river and it's just you know it doesn't it doesn't benefit you so there's no point paying thousands of pounds for something that's not going to 
benefit you as a business owner and indeed benefit you as a person. So, I think, you know, it's it's great to be aspirational, but I think, yeah, I just think that you have to think about your own business and think about what's important to you. Uh, Gus, uh, you missed off my event. Uh, I'm really hurt now. You said you're going to Marketed Live. You didn't say you come to my event, Gus. I'm devastated. Which uh, which uh, event was that, Teresa? Uh, it's uh, it's called Your Dream Business Live, and it's the day after uh, BizPool's event uh, in Birmingham. So the two are perfect to go to each other. Well, that's really interesting because <laughs> I did not know about that oh, and I, well, I follow all of your content and I hang around well, and well, I, well, now, well now you do look I'm going to have to get all Fiona Bruce on yeah business, absolutely I will look for a discount code ASAP there you go there you go That's, that, well, well closed off there right okay Um. yes is it, I think it is quite interesting this whole kind of line thing or, or, or big events I suppose the conclusion I would draw from what uh, the panellists have said here is is really that it's to do with the market, who your audience is, and finding things that are relevant um, to you. And it, re- it reminds me of, um, I-, I went to uh, the podcast show a few weeks ago, where uh, I went I went to the, I hope, well, I don't care, um, I went to the Spotify stand expecting to, to you know, be exclusively signed uh, to, to Spotify, and was told I could have a tote bag. And that was about as much interaction as I was allowed to have with Spotify. So I think it kind of depends on who's there, whether it's the right audience and what people are getting out of it. All right, uh, our final question today for our panellists. Uh, we'll end on a light note. Do we need a LinkedIn laughing emoji? Gus? Yes. I think um, we live in a world now where we want to kind of react to others and talk to others, and I kind of I always... Recently, I've started talking about LinkedIn being kind of like, you know, the the digital water cooler. It's where we have conversations, where we talk to each other, where we get to know each other. And quite frankly, I think um, uh, a real life reaction is laughing along with somebody or, you know, finding something funny and, and things like that. And and quite frankly, some of my content on LinkedIn is so ridiculous that it's exactly the kind of emoji that um, I expect my audience to use. So I think it's perfect. And I think, uh, yeah, it's anybody that says, oh, you know, this is a business platform and we should just be talking about our accountancy exams or ISO 9001 and all that. You know, it's, they're not for me. So, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's just uh, emulating real life, in my opinion. OK, great. Um, ben. Yeah, I'll echo that. I think we have seen over the last few years a real change in the type of content that is being shared on LinkedIn. I think when I first started using it, it was certainly very professional. The things you spoke about tended to be very much work-related. There wasn't a huge amount of space for opening up personally about what may may be happening in your business behind the scenes, what may be happening with your family, uh, personal interests, uh, et cetera, et cetera, outside of work. I think that's massively changed in the last two or three years. Um, and, and, and and why not have a, a laughing emoji to reflect that? So um, the short answer to the question would be yes, because I think the nature of the content on the platform has massively changed. And I'd also say that's for the better as well, because I think you get to see behind the scenes of uh, people running their businesses or running their departments or within their within their job roles. So, um, so yes, why not? All right. Uh- Two out of three want it so far, Teresa. Shall I say no, just to uh, <laughs> to unbalance? No, I think it's great. I think they should exactly like the others said. Um, I think LinkedIn is becoming more human. 
and more of a place where, well, it's just more like some of the other social media where you can show your real self. Um, and I think, why not? Why not have a laughing face emoji? I think, uh, I thought Gus was going to say that his concept was laughable. Uh, he didn't. <laughs> um, some of mine might be. Um, but yeah, so I think why not have that along with some of the other reactions? I think it's great. Excellent. Right. So that's a unanimous decision there. So just out of interest, um, I will try and uh, relay this for the benefit of people listening on the podcast. But if you have the uh, laughing reaction emoji on LinkedIn, can you um, just use the, well, use, use the crying with laughter emoji in Twitter spaces just to indicate that you already have it? Um, so we've got three. I think pretty much everybody has it, it seems. Everyone's like going off to check at this point to see if they have it. But I think uh, I'm getting a sense that it's fairly unanimous um, that everybody has it. So that's a great thing. All right. Um, so some interesting questions today. This is always meant to be quite light and breezy and not um, not overly pretentious. Otherwise, we would end up in that elitist click that we mentioned earlier. Um, so, so some good questions. Thank you ever so much. Uh, to Teresa Heathwaring, Gus Bandau, Ben Potter, uh, to, as our guest, and to our audience, of course, here live on Twitter Spaces. We're here again at the end of next month. Um, it's the last uh, last Monday of every month. So in July, that will be the 25th, Monday the 25th at 5 p.m. UK time on Twitter, on the Marketing Live account, if you want to uh, set a reminder. Uh, once we're able to schedule that in, we will get that published and you can set a reminder within Twitter yourself and join us there. And then if you want to get involved, if you'd like to be a panelist in the future, just drop us a line at the uh, at Marketed Live Twitter account and we will get in touch there uh, where we'll have more questions for our new guests. Don't forget to grab your ticket to our next Marketed Live event called Creative Climate in Birmingham on Thursday, the 8th of September, 2022, with incredible session leaders, including Kate Leeson from Social Chain, Jay Richards from Imagine Insight and others. Uh, plus the usual great company, great conversations, great food, great parties afterwards. You can visit marketed.live online. Get your early bird ticket by this Thursday, the 30th of June. If you're listening after that, then I'm afraid it's full price for you unless you can find someone with a discount code. Thanks for listening. Today's producer is Suze Cooper at Big Tent Media and Kieran Marshall at Lime My Media. I'm Biz Paul. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Marketed Not Live podcast. Want to go even deeper? Then book your ticket to one of our events where you'll learn more about specific ideas, strategies and practical ways to improve the results you get from your marketing activity. Visit marketed.live for what's on and how to book. of the Like Mind Media Network.